0: Welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher.
1: I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, we're continuing where we left off last week, talking about the top-rated games on Board Game Geek. Today, we'll be starting at 11 and going through 25. Will it ever stop? No. No, it won't. They just keep making more games. But yes, we will stop talking about them eventually.
2: Maybe. But first, a thank you to our Patreon <laughs> friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the Gift of Games in Grey's Lake, Illinois. And a huge thank you to all our other patrons as well. And a thank you to all of our live listeners right now. If you want to listen to us live, you can at tabletopgametalk.com slash live. Um, and I usually put the code in. Well, not usually. I am putting the code in about a half hour before the show starts. So if you go early and see that there's not a link there, that only means it's not 8 o'clock on a Monday yet. But... Central. Um, actually exactly but i should bring up in sometime in the next two weeks i will be having a child on one of the nights that we record and that means kitty and Fletcher have to take over so you're definitely uh, you guys, having
1: it on a night we record
2: well probably so are, we have an induction <laughs> date scheduled for a monday night so that night if it's the 14th it's definitely going to be that night but if it happens before then i'm pretty certain that kids don't really care so it's going to be next monday I just, <laughs> I just make that assumption. But if it also could be, if it's Sunday, Sunday or Monday would both be those that bad time frame. So that's all right. She'll just come into the world already. One check against her. That's that's well, that's life in a pandemic. You made life in for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you child. Having a
1: baby is all about convenience.
2: <laughs> I only do it so that I can you know benefit from this. Somehow that failed. <laughs> but, Kitty, your know, child your, uh, is looking... Several
1: weeks of paternity, we leave. <laughs> speak differently.
2: Six, 16 weeks, yeah. Sydney has to go back after six, and she has to work at a point during that time for, like, because she's doing month end. She's like, all right, I'll come back for the end of the month and help out. <laughs> so, it's... uh It's good times. But yeah, we might, if the induction happens on the 14th and she doesn't go into labor, we might just move that episode up a couple days. But Katie, you said you're gone next week?
1: Yes. I just realized like 10 minutes ago chatting with you guys that I'm supposed to be out of town next week. We're going up to um, the cabin in Minnesota. So normally, if I'm out of town, I can often still jump on the call. But in Minnesota, there is no internet. So
2: (laughs) That's true. The entire state. (laughs)
1: definitely where we are in minnesota
2: although i would say probably more of the state than not is lacking (laughs) there's a lot of there's
1: like a nice circle around twin cities and then the rest of it (laughs) internetless
2: yep that's fine (laughs) fletcher how was your life i feel like like last week's episode we just jumped right in and i really i mean besides a dog you said you did nothing and i just don't buy that (laughs)
0: I mean, I in play, two and a half months, come on. I play video games. I I don't know. Um, Carmen made a bunch of pie. That was fantastic.
2: Ooh, there she was you
0: go. and she needed a hobby. Um, so she's like, I don't know what to do. So she just started baking, and she <laughs> just baked like so many pies. In fact, she made two pies yesterday, two pumpkin pies, and she's gonna Ooh, make another pumpkin one tomorrow. Is, like
1: the best pie.
2: Pumpkin is the best pie. Pumpkin
1: is so good.
2: But and it's also made not rhubarb, even that really bad like for you. Pie. Rhubarb is great too. So, are you going to bring I me only pie? I Like
1: strawberry rhubarb?
0: Uh, no, but you can come and get it.
2: <laughs> but wait, I'm having a I'm having a baby. I can't be that far away. That's like hours. There's there's a rule or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's hours yeah, away. I
1: think it's hour at uh, most. Yes, hour.
2: Yeah. yeah, we went to. I got ladies lazy today for dinner. So we went to get fast food and we went to Chick-fil-A because Sydney really likes the Chick-fil-A sauce. So I went, th- picked up Zachary, went to Chick-fil-A, came back and realized that they gave us the wrong side. They gave us fruit instead of fries, which in retrospect was a good thing. Fruit instead of fries is better. <laughs> but I'm thinking to myself, it's like, I could go back and get it fixed, but it's a 45 minute round trip and that's a long way. So yeah. I'm like... I'm, well, it's like twenty minutes away, so I'm just like, uh, yeah, suburbs. Oh man, that suburb but, life.
0: <laughs> I'm three minutes
2: walking from a McDonald's. I mean, we're I mean, three, from minutes, from three yeah, so. okay, I'm, I'm minutes from three McDonald's. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm eight minutes
0: from Popeyes,
2: <laughs> walking. Uh, good old Popeyes. All right, the Popeye chicken sandwich, it is worth it. So anyway, we can talk about chicken because it's delicious, and I'm totally Fast up for doing talk. that. That's what the tabletop top.
0: is. Tabletop fast food talk.
1: I'd rather we do tabletop game talk Tokyo Drift if we're gonna go off topic.
0: That sounded uh, way more fun. We
2: could we could do both. We could drift with our chicken. That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> All right. So last week we talked about the top games rated on Board Game Geek. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one through ten. So if you missed it, go back and listen to that one, uh, and then you can come back and listen to this one. So we're gonna do eleven through twenty-five today, and then we're not gonna do twenty-six through hundred next week. Um, actually, that's that's sort of a lie. Next week, we're just <laughs> gonna talk about the top probably five hundred games. We're gonna skip around and and decide you know <laughs> next week <laughs> top five hundred games.
1: Good, we're really <laughs> narrowing it down. We're just
2: gonna mention them. We're gonna
0: read a list to you. this is internet by radio
1: (laughs) we're just gonna speed read
0: so write us a question and we'll look it up for you and then in one week we'll get back to you
2: (laughs) with spoken word content (laughs) wow that would make hey if I'm not here and you guys have to pick a topic whatever I, I just will smile and nod
1: yeah you know we've really proven ourselves reading our patreons that um we're really good at reading things on the fly (laughs) we're
2: good we're good at the word make louds
0: (laughs) did you want noises here's a bunch of noises
2: (laughs) oh all right well at least the podcast isn't getting better so anyway (laughs) let's talk about game 11 game number 11 and i think you guys have played a lot more of these games in the first section um fletcher you have played number 11 right
0: yes i have played number 11
2: which is so you, you lead scythe. what is it okay
0: it's scythe <laughs> yes i've played this, play this game uh a couple two or three times i think uh i, I think most people are familiar with this game
2: it is it- a ton of fun that's all I have to say. About there it. you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is one that you used to play at at the office. Yes, we, at the we office. had a coworker would bring it in. I, and I mean, it was an after hours thing. First, yeah, just during work.
0: Yeah, yeah. I played at your house. Yeah, this first. was on our list. a couple times.
2: Yeah, this was on our list of, um, the games we played. So while we were on hiatus, um, Sydney and I would pick a game. And for that week, we would try to play that game like three or four times. And this was one of those games. So we played this like three times in a week. Um, played all the different factions and, um, not, we didn't really mix, no, we mixed in a couple expansions, uh, but not the Rise of Fenris one. Uh, I really like this game. Kitty, I didn't, you played this and I don't remember you being a fan, but.
1: I like it. If you know, I'm at a game night and somebody's like, "Let's play Scythe." I'm like, "Okay," but I probably wouldn't pull it out. But Spencer's a big fan, and a lot of his friends like to play it, so I've played it with them um, a few times.
2: Yeah, I just like the fact it's a very simple game to teach, but it's, there's it still feels well. It's simple to teach, but it feels complex. Um, it feels like there's a ton of things you can do. It's a very sandboxy. Here's you have to meet ten objectives. As soon as someone hits six, I think it's six, um, the game ends. Hooray. It's an engine and building that, game,
0: right? You would classify it that like an engine engine builder.
2: It's an engine builder, yep. And
0: there's lots um, of
2: ways to together that engine. Exactly. So and it's and really, I really kind of like
1: that part of it. Um, my problem with it is that you can really I think it's a little bit too take that for me. Like you can't really mess up what someone else is doing too much but there's enough especially if you're playing with a higher player count you can get in somebody's way really and it can be very frustrating if you feel like somebody's messing with you but nobody on the other side of the board is messing with anyone so they're really able to get their game going where somebody else's game has basically been picking on you So yeah. I've seen that happen I, a couple times that really just kind of meh
2: Yeah, I like this um, at two players we really like this because I don't In a two-player game, there's no such thing as take that. You're either winning and doing something that makes you win, or you're doing something that makes you lose it. So with (laughs) Scythe, I mean, that's really how it is, right? With Scythe, what you can do for two players is if you have the modular board, you can actually restrict the board quite a bit and just make it smaller. Um, Also with Scythe, because you have all these teleporting spots, nothing is really as far away as it looks, but in the multiplayer game, it is true that you can get to a point where you have one person can kind of get squished between two other people. So in that case, it's I can definitely see where if you don't like that competitive or you're not all on the same the competitive level, that can be a problem with scythe.
1: That's really what it is. Is it if you're not all playing the same way? I feel like there's it's a really good game for the fact that you can play it really aggressively or really in your own space and everyone just kind of has to be on the same page with what the way you're playing
2: yeah i'm really looking forward to the rise of fenris stuff now however let's go to another dudes on the map game where it doesn't allow more than two players and it takes well you can play probably six games of scythe in the same amount of time (laughs) as one game of war of the Rings, which we just played yesterday And you guys have not played this at all. I'm certain of it. Nope. Uh, This is War of the Rings based on the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it is literally takes as long as watching the trilogy, um, extended edition. So what we did for this game, because it was, we knew it was going to be an epic event is we actually watched the first movie and the game starts right when the fellowship is created in the first movie. So like you kind of get in that mindset and that it's about an hour and a half to get to that point. And I feel it's a prerequisite to play your first game so you can get in that mindset.
1: I do feel like you mentioned the movies a lot, and we should also recognize that there are books that the movies are based off of. I know that you don't acknowledge the books at all. But but the books are trash.
2: They're they're so bad, though. They are not trash.
1: They're very good books, and we can't have this conversation anymore, but I do think that it's a very good thing for the board game that they've eliminated Tom Bombadil.
2: There we go. But... So, that's the point I want to make about this board game. This is one of three games where the game itself has made me like the source material more. <laughs> the other two being Star Wars Rebellion and Battlestar Galactica. These are games that are so good that once you've played them, you want to just be like, I want more. So, you want to watch the movies or the binge on the show. Or, in this case, we're watching all three extended editions in a row of the movies. Um, I will never ever read the books again, they're trash. But the world is amazing. They that's make good. good.
1: Audio books, though, you should give give them a try as audio.
2: I did get them Much a try as audio. I almost fell asleep <sighs> at the wheel. They're so ridiculously horribly written. He's a great world builder, terrible writer. But that's I understand. Back to the game, though. <laughs> so the game. I know I'm making, but I truly feel this way. <laughs> so we were watching the movies. Yeah, started I'm not playing the, the game. Only
1: angry nerd out there right now.
2: So it's at um, Lawful Good Mom, and she will get all messages to me. <laughs> <laughs> so we started playing this game at nine o'clock on Saturday. We're going to say, we said, we're going to play an hour. We're going to get the rules down, and then we are going to just stop and reset. And we'll play the full game on Sunday. It was 1 a.m. when I had to say, no, Sydney, we are not playing another t- round. We're not doing it. It's gonna... She's like, but just one more. It's it's 45 minutes. gonna be two o'clock in the morning. You're nine months pregnant. No, not gonna happen. The kid's gonna wake up regardless of what we do tonight. (laughs) So then we had our parents come over the next day. We started playing again at one and finally ended the game at five. So we played eight hours. And the next thing we did is we went and grabbed dinner and then we set up to play again. This game is amazing. This game is just amazing. And if you like Lord of the Rings at all, obviously... I'm not a huge fan of the books. I'm not even a huge fan of the movies. I am a lot more of a fan of the movies now, but if you like it at all, this game is worth looking at. Uh, it's primarily a do's on the map game. It's a war game, but there's so much other stuff going on that it doesn't feel like a war game. And it's a two-player game, so it's really hard or really easy to find someone else to play. Um, you cannot play against yourself legitimately. There's a lot of hidden information in the game. but uh, so good. Um, so good, in fact, if you take this by rating, this is actually sixth on the list and not 12th, but by the Board Game Geek rated, weighted rating. It's a little lower because not as many people have played this. All right, that's all I have to say about War of the Ring for <laughs> now. I I might have to do an entire episode on it. It's so good. I'm going to play it like three more times, with adding in all the expansions as we go. So I'll have a lot more opinions on it. 13, Spirit Island. Kitty, you were going to back this on Kickstarter and didn't.
1: So I I don't know that I was going to back it, but it's one I covered when we were doing the Kickstarter edition as its own podcast. And I really went back and forth on it. And now it's like, you know, top 20 games. And I feel like I should have gotten on board. But also, I don't know. It just didn't feel like my style. Have you actually played this one now?
2: I have. Um, Fletcher, have you heard of this game at all?
0: I have not heard of this game. No.
2: All right. The best way to describe it, and this is a common way, so I'm not making this up, is it's Catan if you were playing as the tiles and not as the settlers. (laughs) So this is a cooperative, or it's a cooperative game where you are spirits on an island, hence the name, and the island is being colonized. So people are coming in and they're trying to take things, but yours as the spirits, are like, no, 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 you're blighten my island, get off of it. So you're doing things to try to scare the settlers off um, or, you know, cause accidents to happen so they just go away. And it is... Most co-op games, it's relatively straightforward. Random things are going to happen. It's... You're playing in the moment. If you're playing Pandemic, it's like, here's the board situation, here are my best choices. With this game, you know what's coming up two turns from now. Because the settlers always do the same thing. They First they explore, then they build, then they ravage. And at each point in there, you know where they're at, what they're doing, and what's going to happen, and you're trying to prevent against it, which adds a fourth dimension, like a literal fourth dimension of what you're doing. And this game is mind-burning, but so good. And so many different things to think about. I don't know that I would ever play this with a with more than one person. I played out one person with two characters um, and that made my head hurt. I might be able to do it one two people, one character each, but you have to coordinate so well because there's no actual turns. You just both go and you can decide what you're going to do and when you're going to do it and kind of go this back and forth thing. It's a hard one. I like it though. Um, But let's switch to number 14 because we don't want to do an hour and a half podcast. And Kitty, this is <laughs> all you because I have no interest in this.
1: <laughs> we have now reached the first game that I own on this list, and that is Castles of Burgundy. <laughs> um, this is a Euro game. This is a really highly regarded Euro game. Whenever you talk Euro games, somebody's like, "Oh, you haven't played Castles of Burgundy? Um, so this one, you have a board which is varying shades of green, and there are dice you roll that allow you to build up different actions and i'm not remembering a lot about (laughs) this except that it's fun and as soon as you look at it i remember how it plays but trying to describe it from memory it's like
2: (laughs) it's various shades of greens there's tiles with chickens on them and the number of chickens matter um i think it's chickens there might be pigs
1: that's there's pigs i think there's various kinds of farm animals
2: there might be chickens and pigs um I appreciate what Castles of Burgundy does, uh, but I have the same problem with this as I do Terraforming Mars. The game itself is not bad. Obviously, it's not bad. It's rated number 14, which is amazing. So the game <laughs> itself is fine. It's just, it's lackluster to sit down in front of and play. And I think that that, that and, and plus all of the convoluted rules, which feel convoluted, are is just kind of a turnoff for me personally.
1: So I think it suffers a bit because as a Euro game, part of the big appeal of Euro games is y- there's their language independent. You can look at the board and it doesn't have words written on the board. This could use words written on the board though. <laughs> like I think the iconography, there's just so much going on. You have to look up every picture in the rule book a whole bunch and that makes it like, it breaks up the flow of the turn every time you have to do that. And I remember there's a bunch of little tiles, and one of them we kept calling it Teach Ships to Read, and I still don't remember what it does. Um, <laughs> it,
2: it could be but, it's, its first impression is an issue. I mean, because there's a lot of great games where once you play it a couple times and get the language down, it becomes a much better game. So I will I will give this, this is likely a first impression type of issue.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the, it's fun. I don't know I would have enjoyed it as much if I hadn't been forced to play it by my friend Amy many times. Yeah.
2: Well, this next game is one that... I, it's the first game I remember playing with you that was like a legitimate uh, non-mainstream board game, and that's Terra Mystica. And I remember mm-hmm. being surprised that you enjoyed the experience. <laughs> and I also remember being surprised you were so passionately angry about the experience, too. But... There's an episode we did about all of that. You're you're way better now,
1: <laughs> so much better now. Uh, yeah, so I would say because we were living together at the time, you got this game, and this was, I think, one of the first board games I remember you really owning and like bringing out to play. And I don't think you realized that I had played a lot of Settlers and I had played a lot of Ticket to Ride and some of the more common gateway games. And that my this family is was huge a game. But, but, no, yeah, this
2: it's is not, not a gateway game, though. No. Yeah, it's not a gateway, gateway game, game, but you picked it up. Yeah.
1: So I think you didn't know that I had played a bunch of gateway games, and you just pulled me into the deep end, not expecting me to be able to swim.
2: <laughs> now, on my, In my defense, I did not do it. It was, we went to a board (laughs) game party on New Year's and that was a game that people were starting and neither of us had played it at that time. So we sat down to play this for the first time with a group of people that had played it before. And Terra Mystica, like Gaia Project, is very, very, it's a short game. It's basically six rounds. And what you do in your first round can totally hose you for the rest of it. So if you're playing with experienced players... You can get really, really unlucky. Plus, there's some balance issues in this version um, that can be a problem, too. But I just love I also felt I like
1: the s- player turn order mattered a lot. And I was sitting next to somebody who just, like, was really dominating. And then it would be my turn. So the whole board state would completely change right before my turn. And then I felt like I was the jerk that was holding everyone up. I mean, like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. This is great, though. I, Gaia Project is the uh, second edition of this, for all intents and purposes. If Terra, for, M- Terra Mystica had a second edition, it would be called Gaia Project. So just take it <laughs> out of the fantasy setting, put it in the sci-fi setting, and you have yourself the same game with a little bit uh, – well, actually, a lot better balance. Um, people will argue how balanced Gaia Project is, where people will definitely argue Terra Mystica is not balanced. Um, and Fletcher, you have not played either of these two games, right?
0: I have, I haven't, no.
2: All right. What about this next one? Have you played Seven Wonders Duel, which is the number 16 game? And this was the first one on the list that actually is a big surprise to me. Other ones I may not enjoy. I understand I don't enjoy, but I understand what other people do. But this one being number 16, that one, this this is a surprise to me. Um, Have either of you guys played this? No, I haven't.
1: I played Seven Wonders, but not Duel. All
2: right. So Seven Wonders is also in the top 100. It's about, I don't know, they're 40 or 50 spaces down. Um, this one, though, the basically the way it plays is... I mean, Seven Wonders is a drafting game. You're drafting cards to build your point system up. This one takes that idea and makes it into kind of a... a what's the solitaire where you lay cards on top of each other and you can only play cards that are um, uncovered, like Spider Solitaire, I think?
0: Klondike? I don't know. Um,
2: Maybe Klondike. Spider
1: is the one where like all the cards are like in rows going down. Pyramid is, I think, what you were describing. Yeah, but they're
2: slightly covered up. So the way you do the draft is you can draft any card that's not covered, but as you pick one of those cards up, you may reveal another card that your opponent can then draft. So it gives you this dynamic of making tough decisions saying I really want this card but I definitely don't want to be able to give you access to that card underneath it so maybe I'll get this other one which is going to be better for me and force you to give me that good card that I really want um there's this push and pull on the military track and you could if you get the military all the way to one side or the other you're going to win um i think there's a science victory i think there's at least 3 different ways and then the expansion even takes it up a notch the game is fun i really do like it i'm just surprised this is number 16 um but at, it is and if you haven't played Seven Wonders Duel and you like Seven Wonders at all and you can't play it because it's a three player minimum game although Rado would disagree Rado loves the two player version of Seven Wonders I've never played the two version version of Seven Wonders and I think I might try it before second edition comes out um, yeah you can try this one out alright Kitty, this is back to you this is another <laughs> brown game <laughs>
1: um, so next up is Concordia and this is the classic trading in the Mediterranean game. Once again, it's, you know, classic Euro game. We played this for our Euro games episode, and I don't think I've played it since, but it stayed at my house. And so one day I might play it again.
2: <laughs> I love this game. Like, this game is great.
1: Then you should take it back, because it's just taking <laughs> up room on my shelf. I need more room. I got more <laughs> games, and now I need more room on my shelf.
2: This is a game where um, I do wish it had a facelift, but I just I like the scoring options. I like the the way the way the whole board moves and grows. And how I just I really, really, really did like this game. Um, Again, it's it's the table presence that makes me not want to pull it off the shelf and the fact that it's on your (laughs) shelf. But um, I still (laughs) truly enjoy it. Um and Fletcher, stop us if you have anything to comment on any of these because I'm certain you're looking these up on BGG and being like, uh,
0: yeah, I'm clicking on every link and I'm just like,
2: hmm, like it's not. I mean, a lot of these <laughs> I've
0: heard of, right? But it's just, I haven't played many of them.
2: Concordia is actually one of the real thing. The things I liked about this best is that very first play, they add a a mid game scoring round that isn't there yeah. for. Other, like if you're playing the quote unquote real game, and that mid game scoring round is perfect for teaching a complicated long term strategy point based Euro game. And I thought that was like you would get through and you do this scoring round. It was early enough in the game where you could adjust if you needed to, but it cemented everything you were doing. You're like, oh, I get it. I know how I'm going to get points to drive to the end of the game. And I super helpful
1: way to learn the game.
2: Yeah, I really appreciated that. Um, so the next one is brass Lanch Lancashire. Um, I can say it, I promise. I we I talked can't, about brass so Birmingham. Keep... <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about brass Birmingham last week, and the, I have not yet played Lankshire. I plan to, but it's one of those things where you play Birmingham and it's rated number three, and Lankshire is rated number eighteen. So I mean, geez, why would I play fifteen? ratings down. Um, <laughs> mostly because it's still, both games are in the top 20. Um, Langshire is the original version of Brass. Uh, there's a slight rule tweaks. I, I don't know Brass well enough to know what exactly the rule tweak was, but um, if you liked original Brass, but you want an updated, um, prettier-looking version, then get the deluxe version, because that comes with poker chips, um, and that's Brass Langshire. Brass Birmingham is probably better for two players, from what I've heard, um, but Langshire is a different game but if you know one learning the other is very very simple it's just a matter there's a in Lancashire you have ports in um birmingham you have beer that's that's the difference that i'm going to tell you cuz that's the extent of the differences that i know and acknowledge
1: wow there is Num- a big difference between the uh deluxe version and the old version <laughs> <Yes>. board <laughs> got a big yeah. facelift here
2: <laughs> yeah these games look awesome and terrence asked beer and i'm like yeah um in brass birmingham you need beer to sell goods because that's how business is done so um, <laughs> number 19 is arkham horror the card game i'm sure you have a lot this to say about is this game. <laughs> i have a few things to say about this game but i've talked about it so much um i still need to get you to play this kitty so just recently um for those who don't know and if you don't. It's possible that you don't know. Arkham Horror the Card Game is a living card game from Fantasy Flight based on the Cthulhu Mythos world. But the way it's basically a deck construction role-playing game where the scenarios are set up playing cards and you're going to play through, most campaigns have eight scenarios that you're going to play through. And at the end of each scenario, you're going to get a certain number of experience that allows you to customize your deck and build it up. You may also potentially die, um, it's a very common thing or be taken out in some way, which actually just adds trauma or permanent, uh, wounds, which I don't, I think it's just trauma on either side, but you could have sanity or, um, health trauma. And if you, your trauma ever exceeds your maximum health or sanity, then you're gonna, that's it, your guy's dead. But otherwise you get to keep cycling and making your deck better, but then you have these, Weaknesses that go in your deck. So you want to draw cards, but some cards are just going to be bad no matter where you draw them. It always feels like you're losing. And oftentimes you're not going to get the best result in a particular scenario, but it always lets you move forward unless it's just like, nope, you're dead. Uh, But that's a relatively rare thing. It's just bad things happen to you. The intensity of this game. So there's a mechanic in the game that I think that you really have to embrace to like. And when I first started looking at the game, I'm like, this is stupid. And that's the fact that they put all the tokens in this bag. And you have to draw a token from the bag to resolve a test. And if you just treat it like a die roll, you know, pull out a token, look at it, drop it back in, it's going to be just like a die roll. Boring. The way you do you play this game is you reach into the bag, you grab the token, you put the token in your fist of a hand, you put it out in the center of the table, hand clenched, knowing you hold the fate of your character in your hand, And then you open it in front of everyone slowly and reveal. And that's what makes this game so amazing. Plus all the character customizations and all that stuff. Um, If you want to get into this game, there's never been a literal better time to do that. As of Thursday, uh, so as you hear this, like three or four days ago, they just came out with five um, investigator decks. That is a full deck of cards in a pack with upgrade paths one for each of the different um classes and all you have to do is have that deck and you can any scenario i have lots of extras kitty i'm going to make you play this fletcher i'm going to make you play this um you just you don't have to build a deck you just here's your deck play the scenarios have fun and they're really really good decks um so yeah arkham horror the card game it's worth getting into even though it involves a lot of rules
1: My problem with living card games is always the expense. And we've talked about this a lot. I think we have a whole episode on it. So feel free to go back and listen to that. Um, I just, you know, don't want to invest my whole (laughs) budget into monthly gaming.
2: (laughs) But that's why the Investigator decks are awesome. Because they're not nerfed. They're unique cards. So even if you have all the cards, they're giving you new cards. And they're very much an easy way to enter into it. $15, you have everything you need to play, and you don't need to go out and buy extra cards.
1: Well, don't you need a scenario to play?
2: You do, but again, um, for you personally, I have a lot of extra scenarios because I buy everything twice. Um, but you can choose then to buy a scenario, and when you do that, you'll be able to get extra cards you get because every one of them comes with those cards as well. But you don't have to like go back and say, I need everything so I can build up a decent deck you'll That's start with fair. a decent deck. It's good, I still think it's, it's expensive. <laughs> it is. All right, Fletcher, I'm going to give this one to you, even though Kitty will definitely have things to talk about. <laughs> number <Ring-spin-in>. 20. Yep. <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, this is a great game if you can get your hands on it. Um, it's a beautiful game. It's. I mean, I think it has a well-deserved place at number 20 on this list. Like, it's definitely... I, I'm not sure I can really say anything bad about this game. It hits a sweet spot in terms of like time it needs to, it takes to play. The learning curve is not that bad. It's easy to teach. Um, I don't know. Those are, those are like my thoughts about it. Kitty, you actually own this game.
1: (laughs) I do. This is a really fun game. I have been able to get people into the board gaming hobby with this game. It has amazing table presence. It is really fun and it's not too, There's enough interaction with people at the table that you feel like you're doing a group activity, but there's not so much player interaction that you can really mess up somebody else's game. It's very your own kind of puzzle that you're doing in front of you, which is kind of my favorite sweet spot of games. And
0: it's it's not like birds and I
1: love birds. Yeah, there's, you really can't take that somebody, you're doing your own thing. Like the most you might be able to do is notice that somebody's trying to collect a certain kind of card and take that card before they get it. But honestly, at that point, it's, you're really just hurting yourself more than you're hurting somebody else because there's asked, a better... Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, d- David asks if it's good for two and I would say 100% for exactly the reasons you're talking about. Because you're not doing... It doesn't rely on what other people are doing. It's it's not multiplayer solitaire. There is some interaction. You'll have cards that will benefit from what other people do, but really you're trying to build your own engine and trying to optimize your engine with the options you're given. That's the dice you roll, the cards that are there to available to draft. Um, I think this game would play just as good as two as it does five, and probably because you could get through a game faster, um, I would yeah. play it at two more frequently.
1: Um, so. Is this the most recent game of the top 25?
2: Oh, this is 2019. Um, it could be. I don't know that there's anything else on the list. I had the list open a second Because my ago. guess
1: is that over time, this is actually going to go higher up the list. I think this is going to make top 10 eventually. Because I think part of what's holding it back now is... Um, It was so hard to get your hands on a copy that not as many people have reviewed it. And it now that it's easier to get,
2: yeah, you can get it on Amazon right now for forty eight dollars. So or your local game store, Um, and it is the newest game on the in the top 25 this is the most recent game there. I would not be surprised to see this jump up a few spots. Uh if I'm looking just at ratings like the average rating versus the ranked rating um well it's probably right around where it's going to be. Um there's a couple games it could bump ahead of but it's it's probably going to sit here probably not going to get more than a couple spots up. Again just looking at the average um, rating versus the weighted rating. But yeah, Wingspan is great. Um, it's not necessarily my go to game where I'm like, I want to play this game, so I'm going to pull it off the f- shelf. But if someone says, hey, do you want to play Wingspan? I will always say yes. So it, it's, or is and there's this a lot is of one games. one that like I that.
1: will like, if somebody's like, hey, I'm having a game night, bring some of your games. I would grab this in a heartbeat.
2: Yeah. Now, this next game is a game that I feel. and and, and it's by the same publisher. Um, This is a game that I do like pulling off the shelf and playing, and that's Viticulture, Um, specifically the Essential Edition. Uh, It adds a little bit of the Tuscany expansion into it. So if you had the original plus the Tuscany expansion, you kind of have this. But if you have the Essential Edition, you're good. You don't really need anything else. Um, This game, you you own a vineyard. And you're attempting to grow grapes to turn into wine to sell to people, and you're playing over a certain number of seasons. It's essentially a worker placement game. So, kind of, it's a, it's a Euro worker placement game, but the theme is, it's oozing with grape juicy theme. And (laughs) everything you do, it's just, it's, it is so much fun to just grab a bottle of wine, pour a couple glasses, and then put this game on the table. And this is one of the games we played when we drove to Pittsburgh for our, our friend Gen Con in the middle of the forest. We played this in the hotel the night before Gen Con. Friend Con? Friend Con, yeah.
1: Um, I will give, like, Stonemeyer Games my award for games with the most edible-looking pieces that are not actually edible. Between this <laughs> and Wingspan, I want to eat the pieces, and I'm a grown adult, and I know better. <laughs> but the, they're grapey-looking pieces, and they look, like, delicious.
2: Well, one of the things, like, we talk about Stonemaier, and they get a lot of press for good or bad, but we're at number 21 right now. 21, 20, and, and 20 was Wingspan, um, and then 11 is Scythe. All three of these games are Stonemeyer games, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a big spot. It's hard to get in this top list, and he has three of them there. Two of them, which he designed, um, Wingspan was not his design, but he obviously published and helped develop it. So, um, yeah, good on him. 22, have you guys played Feast for Odin? No, I I haven't even heard of this game. This is one of Sydney's favorite games, actually. It is on the shelf of You're Not Allowed to Give This Away, uh, which is the top (laughs) shelf that I can't reach, so it all works out (laughs) fine. Um, (laughs) So this is a big box... um, it, well, it's a Steffenfeld game. If I if I'm remembering correctly, I'm doing that out of instinct, but it is um polyhedral tiles. It is not
1: Steffenfeld. It's Uwe Rosenberg.
2: Uwe, Rosenberg. I get those. They're they're almost the same. One thing. of
1: those other um, big one of those other super Euro famous games.
2: names. <laughs> yes. Um, but thanks for the correction, because yes, but um, so it's they're basically polyomino tiles that you're trying to build out. On your board, you're building out from the bottom left corner and you want to build a rectangle out. You're covering up different spaces to get points. And how you get that, there's I don't know, a hundred different action spaces that you can put your workers, and it's it's insane. There's also little attachment islands that you can add on to this, and there's there's just so much going on. This and then there's There's cards you can draw that are weapon cards, and it's there's just so much going on in this game. Setting it up takes a good, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. Playing it doesn't take all that long, it's only maybe an hour and a half game tops. Um, but it is fun, it's fun, and I really, really like this game. I think that the reason it doesn't hit the table more often for us is really just that setup, and then I have to relearn the game every time I set it up because there's so much time that goes through it. But yeah, Feast for Odin. You guys...
1: <sighs> Seeing these puzzly bits, I now definitely recognize it as designed by the same person as Patchwork. <laughs> like... Yes.
2: Yep. This was his first in that kind of series of games where he's been using like all these polyhedral pieces. I, I think that's polyomino. It feels very polyomino.
1: Tetris-y once you... Yeah. Tetris-like. Um,
2: <laughs> it is... It, yes, it's that Tetris-like feel that yeah but uh, i don't know what else to say about it besides it's heavy literal and figurative um
1: (laughs) but not as heavy as the next game which might be the most dense game ever
2: (laughs) it is dense because it is nothing but cards so number 23 is seventh continent seventh continent is a bunch of square cards it's literally (laughs) almost all square cards but the way this works is you're going to start, you, you have a curse. And that curse is going to tell you what card to put in play. And every card has a number on it. Um, some cards have multiple of the same number and you randomly pick from, you know, one of those cards if it's the same. But anyway, you're going to put that card into play. And as you look around the card, there's going to be little actions that you can take. Um, those actions will have some kind of symbol that's like, this is the skill that you need and this is the difficulty of the test or there, it may just be free. It's like, if you want to go that way, it's just, you know, you can you reveal a card and on the card itself, you may see little pieces, little card numbers that are like hidden in there. And if you see the card number, you can then go to that card number and see what happens. Now, most of this story, if not all, most... Much of the story is actually told in pictures. Um, some, there are some blurbs here and there that as you're revealing certain things, it might give you a description of what's going on. But the curse is what you're trying to do. You're trying to basically fix the curse, solve the curse, cancel the curse, whatever the word for curses is, um, lift the curse. And this game can play for anywhere from, you know, four or five hours to 13, 16, 20 hours. Um, but it has a state, a save system where, at any point, you just put all your characters on one thing, and you have to move all your characters to one thing, and you just pack up the game to say, this is our starting card, here's our decks, here's our draw pile, our discard pile, and then you put all the other cards back. The next time you pull it out, you put that card down, you put your figures there, and you just start going. Because you have everything, and you can just pick it up and play again. And it's it's... It is an experience that uh, it's another one of those solo games where they call it a co-op, but if there's four of you, it doesn't matter because there is no turns. One person can just take the same turn over and over and, well, be the person taking the turns over and over. But it's this collaborative thing where you're talking and you're like, okay, well, you go over there and I'll go over here, but don't go too far because if you do, you might run out of food. And If you run out of food, you're going to die. And if you die, that's not good for me. And like, there's... Just get your hands on this if you can, but you probably can't because it's had like two reprints. And I think at this point um, they're not reprinting again, but there's a fantasy, a dark fantasy version of this coming out soon. And that is, I just, I can't wait for that one. <sighs> the top games are hard to talk about because I just want to play them all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a game that I, we talked about it on Kickstarter. I really was interested in it but you were backing it and we were living in the same building and i was like okay cool i'll be able to play it with chris and then we moved like two hours apart from each other and you know by the time it fulfilled it was not easy for me to play games anymore (laughs) and here we are
2: yeah i yeah i need to well the problem with is two small children on both sides makes it really (laughs) tricky right (laughs) so in the future about eight or nine years from now We will play this game.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah.
2: So, number 24. This is the only game I have no idea about. Um, Fletcher, Kitty, do you guys have any clue about this game?
0: Nope. I looked at
1: pictures of people playing with it, and it looks like it rivals A Feast for Odin for how many tiny pieces it has. It looks absolutely insane.
2: So, like- so we're talking about Orleans <laughs> yeah tons of tiny pieces yeah, I, um, so many bits I,
1: so many pieces
2: I think this game might be in my basement um, maybe David I don't says know.
1: it's a great game
2: okay <laughs> David says played once great game I trust it I I trust you David Um, it's rated number 24 <laughs> it has to be good it does look like there's a lot of pieces but then again I just played War of the Rings so that says nothing and like it's. It looks complicated. It doesn't look bad. It's not brown. It's like, you know, bright colors. Um, and this is the TMG version of it. I want to say that they, I don't know that they were the original publishers of this. Um, but yeah, I don't know. this. I, I meant to play every game on the list before... We recorded this. This is the only game I didn't get to. Although I am noticing (laughs) that Rodney Spitz has a a watch it played on it, so I may end up watching that just so I can get a feel for the game and and see what I'm missing there. And then the number 25 is Mage Knight the board game. Fletcher, have you played Star Trek Frontiers yet?
0: (laughs) Yes, I have. (laughs) In
2: solo mode, no less. So so you can talk about this game, because they're basically the same thing.
0: Um... Sure, so if my comments on Star Trek, um, you know, transfer over to Mage Knight, then then yes. Uh, which, uh, you know, like Chris said, they are very similar, apparently. Um, this game is lots of fun. There's actually lots of fiddly bits, too. They tried to streamline it <laughs> a bit more than Mage Knight, from what I've heard. Um, and that the, the-, the overall theme makes a bit more sense than Mage Knight. Um, but overall the idea is the same you are i guess a mage or a knight or i don't know how the original game is played but you're the captain of a starship you gather um you go from planet to planet doing missions um you get experience and you you level up your um you level up your crew you get new abilities it's like an rpg essentially um and you can play with other people too um, and there's a bunch of different scenarios that you can do. You can do like co-op, you can do like straight, straight up, like take that, like, you know, cutthroat, whatever. The game is lots of fun. I haven't played any of those co-op versions because, you know, Carmen's not really into that and setting that game up in front of Carmen and <laughs> laying out like 500 pieces. She's <laughs> gonna be like, uh, no, I'm just going
2: to go back to Animal Crossing, please. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and mage knight i haven't played um star trek frontiers but mage knight um the big ding star yeah star trek um the big difference is you're playing a single dude versus a crew i think um, star trek has a crew um and obviously it's the fantasy versus space you can
0: you can can pick up uh, different crew members and stuff along the way
2: yeah and i think that's just a way of showing getting more powerful but it's it is a deck builder game Um, But it doesn't feel much like a deck builder because you build your deck so slowly. You pick up a few cards over longer rounds. But how you play those cards, um, they're also dual use. So there's like a basic action and then there's an enhanced action if you spend a crystal. Um, But Mage Knight for the longest time was on the number one list for solo gaming. I think Spirit Island has beat it now um by a lot but mage Knight, i have the um deluxe edition and i finally sat down and said i'm gonna force myself to play this game and i did and i truly enjoyed it uh it is a very it's still a long game even solo you're gonna be sitting there for two to three hours yeah but it feels fun what you're doing feels like everything you're doing is fun um which i guess that's why all these games are in the top list because it feels like you're having fun. um, But how the game ends, I mean, there's even, there's, there's modes in this game where it's like, yeah, you're just going to play until this amount of time. And then you're good. You're done. Or you could have, you have to kill this city and that city, or, you know, there's a number of different end goals that it's like, just play the game the way you are going to have fun and choose the end goal that is best suited for your play style. Um, And there's just so many options here. It It really is. If you're a solo gamer and you like a fantasy setting, try this one out is really the bottom line there. All right. All I know about it
1: is that Spencer has a mage night t-shirt that he got at Gen Con back when you could just like show up at Gen Con and buy a badge that weekend. (laughs) That's how long ago that was back when people socialized too.
2: (laughs) in the before times. So that's, that's the top 25 games in the last two episodes. Um, I think what we want to do is over the next, well in the next episode, assuming I'm still here. Um, is I want to just talk about really like literally going over the top 500 and kind of picking out some of our favorite games and why we think that they belong on the top list. But before we do that, and because we have a few minutes left here, I want to take a look at the 25 games that we just covered in the last two weeks. And really, what do you guys see as like a common thread here? Are these games that when you look at them, are you thinking that's... It's weighted, you know, pretty heavy. These are not games that you might be interested in, even though they're highly rated because they're just there's too much to invest in them. Um, are there games that we talked about that you guys haven't played that you want to play because, oh, this was brought to my attention. I didn't even realize this existed. Um, and I'm gonna start with you, Fletcher, because I think you're more likely to be drawn to the these games since so many of them you hadn't heard about before anyway.
0: Um, I would say for the most part, they all seem like they're on the heavier side of games um in terms of like how you know time it takes to like learn or play they seem more tilted on the heavier side um obviously they're all going to be fun games because they wouldn't make it up here if they if they weren't fun um that's granted i haven't played most of these games so that's like the only kind of like common thread that i
2: that i can see if you were going to pick one where you're like i want to play this game then you haven't Uh, played it which one
0: viticulture because it's on my list to buy right now i just (laughs) haven't gotten around to buying it
1: buy it (laughs) do it
2: yeah it's good and carmen would like it too not necessarily because of you know the gameplay and getting to 20 points but but it's true though right because one of the reasons that i mean if we look at these games a lot of these games are up here because of the experience you have for them right the mechanics and like the gameplay itself it's not nothing's brand new about many of these things. But the experience you have while playing them is what sets them apart. And I really think that she would enjoy playing a game where it's like, okay, you get to drink wine while we play this board game. That's how I play. I'm not... Get a bottle certainly... of rosé. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's It, like, gets you into the mood. And it's, like, there's... It's fun to just kind of, like, get involved in, in what you're doing. And when you play... Viticulture, it plays pretty quickly. You can play a two-player game in less than an hour... And after that first game, you're like, oh, I get it. I want to try doing this or doing that or only if I've done this. And it's one of those games where I can play a couple times in a row and have fun with it. Um, It also just recently came out on uh, mobile. It's still better in person. This is one of those games where the mobile implementation is good, but I think the physical one is better. Um, Mm -hmm. But I still, I enjoy the mobile version of this. So, same question to you, Kitty. One of these games that you haven't played, which one do you is calling to you most
1: Um, in the top 25 something I haven't played that now I would maybe like to play. I would say maybe the Gaia project um, would be the one because honestly looking at this most of these games if I wanted to play it I have (laughs) Um, a lot of these I feel like are the complicated kind of take that games that I don't like, or the kinds of games where it takes longer to set up the game than it takes to play the game. It has too many pieces, it has too many bits. I don't have that much time for my gaming. I like a more streamlined game. Um, and But, again, some of the games in here I really, really enjoy, and have played many times.
2: Yeah, I will can. say, Gaia Project does have a little bit of setup time, especially for that first play, and it does take up a decent amount of space on the table. But, um... It is still streamlined. I, like, it feels... It's easy to play once you have it set up and you're playing it.
1: Yeah, I don't know that I'd want to buy it or play it a lot, but I'd like to try it and see. That was the only one that really jumped out me at me for that. Um, I would like it if you owned it and I could just go over there and play it because you already set it up. That would be ideal.
2: <laughs> it was set up. We, this was one of our... Um, we played... The, uh, we played two games of this back to back because the first game we messed up the tech. So we had to play it again. Cause the first time we played this for like this game sucks, but um, it got better.
1: But yeah, I don't, this isn't my top 25. We've been through mine. <laughs> we, we know what yeah. I like.
2: So I'm going to reverse don't think it. My
1: likes match up with the rest of board game geek.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to reverse my, the question to myself, um, because I have played all these games, and um, I mean, I enjoyed quite a few of them, and I've, I, I think I've made opinions here, but the games that I want to play with you guys. So Kitty, the game I want to play with you more than anything else is Arkham Horror, because I do think you would enjoy this game, but learning it and the fiddly parts of it are a barrier for anyone to start playing it. If I take care of that and I hand a deck to you and you just start playing it, I think you would really like this game because it does have that story feel that, you know, this this idea of progression and like feeling attached to your character and there's this immersion there that I think you would really enjoy. Um and Fletcher I would actually want you in that game too because I think you would enjoy that too. <laughs> I, I probably would enjoy um, playing playing this game.
0: It's just the investment both time and month yep. and money required. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately Yeah, if I had the I time have,
1: I probably wouldn't mind the money as much. But yeah. when I don't have the time, why would I bother spending the money? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I've been collecting this since the beginning, and when you collect it over time, it's not nearly as bad. Um but I've also been collecting two of everything since the beginning. So I have like a full be able to play four players any combinations anytime you want, which is overkill, I know. But Now that I've done it, I really do like that situation because I can play this game anytime I want, make decks ahead of time, have things ready. And now with the new decks that are just pre-made, those are going to be my training decks. Like if someone comes over, I am like, here, have this deck. It is really good. It's not like a starter deck from the starter box. It is a really good Arkham Horror deck that you're going to have fun playing and get a feel for that particular classic character. So I like that. Um, However to do specifically for Fletcher, a game that I would love to play with you is probably Twilight Imperium. Um, yes. I think... Th- did you say you played Twilight Imperium before?
0: Uh, it took a, a couple turns. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I was learning it with a group of people and we're just like, okay. Four, yeah. f- five hours I and would, like, uh we need like, we need to go now.
2: Yeah. I would love to play this game through, like, play through with you. So the next time we play it, I'll let you know. And okay. um, it goes up to six, so... We'll just make you come up here. Um, Although, Kitty, this is not a game that I would want to play with you. Um, No offense, but it is a very, very long game, and there is a lot of potentially people ruining your plan multiple times throughout an 8 to 10-hour session. I think you would be miserable.
1: No, I, yeah, I have no interest in that. Um, If I was going to add another game where, like, You know, see in 10 years where I have free time, again, with no small children, um, perhaps War of the Ring. um, Yes. I really enjoy Lord of the Rings more than you.
2: (laughs) Yes. And this is a game Um, because it's, again, because it's head to head, it doesn't feel like take that.
1: Yeah, it's weird how that ha- like dueling kind of games don't feel as much like take that cuz it's literally all take that. It doesn't feel like I'm getting picked on. It's like, duh, that's the point. <laughs>
2: right. Yep. Yeah, and I think honestly, I you I would just in this particular case, um Lord of the Rings might be I would it's a two player game. It has four player rules, but I think if I was going to bring someone into that game, I could see doing it and playing it as a two v two game. So, like you and Fletcher coming over and playing with Kitty and I, and just being on the opposite sides where you know we team up, where we're both on both sides. Like you and you and Sydney. Did you mean
1: me and Spencer and you and Sydney?
2: I meant you and you Fletcher like flipped and me. Everyone's and
1: Sydney.
2: name. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting really confused. Like,
1: there were two Kitties in that game. Uh... <laughs>
2: kitty and sydney versus fletcher and christmas
1: is yeah Uh, or spencer if
2: he's if he's into it but i think fletcher would really like lord of the rings too
1: chris mixes up kitty and sydney and fletcher fletcher i can't even do it now fletcher and spencer nobody can say my
2: name (laughs) say it say my Well, i just
1: made fletcher who is apparently a mix of fletcher and spencer just mashed together in some sort of eerie
2: fletcher that's i don't know that's your celebrity name (laughs) <laughs> um, so Terrence yep. asks and we're gonna go out with Terrence's question that he says what game would you hate to play against yourself so if if you were playing the game and you knew that you're actually someone else was gonna play the game and their sole observation was basically how they played against yourself which game are you gonna be the worst at uh, Katie I still think ter- or, uh, Twilight Imperium is the one that <laughs> but anyway for me of for this me, list yeah <laughs> which game would I hate to play against myself um, nothing. I'm just amazing. Everyone should want to play games with me. Um, oh yeah. Um, probably castles of Burgundy because I just groaned the entire time.
1: <laughs> yes. Good call. It is like ugh. Or
2: or ter- or terraforming Mars because of the same reason. I'm just like oh man, these stupid icons. What does this mean again?
1: No, um, you're way way worse at castles of Burgundy. <laughs> I don't know which green this is.
2: Well, they're the same the whole time. What does this even mean?
1: (laughs) Uh, What about you, Fletcher? Uh, You
0: know, I'm going through the list and I'm trying to figure out like what it it would either be like scythe because for some reason I'm just terrible at that game. I always lose, and (laughs) I've played the game like three or four times, and I always pick the white faction. I don't know why. Not not me picking, but it's like randomly assigned. I always get the the white faction. So I haven't played any of the other factions. So technically I couldn't play myself because we would both have to be the white faction. <laughs> Random draw That's every fair. time I get, I get that. Faction.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, next week we'll take a bigger look. And honestly, at, at that point, we'll stop talking about games. Um, I just really wanted to get into like looking at these. Cause the question I want to ask next week more than anything is, how do games make it to this top list? Like what about games makes it this? And yes, we know good. We, we know experience, but really there's a ton of variety of games here. And once we get out of the top 25, I mean, you start seeing, um, more mainstream games start coming up very quickly. Um, you know, we have another Pandemic Legacy Season 2. We have um, Everdell, which is surprising to me. Um, Azul is number 45, um, which is a very easy game to get into. Uh, Seven Wonders is a super easy game to get into. I mean, you can play that game in 10 minutes on on mobile because there's no setup or anything. Uh, I'm pretty sure as we go down, you know, Crokinole is number 67. Crokinole. This game was 1876. Uh, I just ordered a Crokinole Old Board, so I'm going to see what's up about this game in the near future. Um, Patchwork is number 79. So there's, there's... Codenames is 82. The Crew, which is a trick-taking game, is number 83. Um, cooperative trick-taking game. So I'm just curious, like, what makes a game make it on this list? And, you know, what are the aspects of these games that make it bubble up? And really, what about BGG... You know, is there a slant in in what they're looking for? Spoiler alert, yes. But what is that? And can that be accounted for in these top games? So that's what we'll talk about next week. Um, But this week, we've talked enough. So we are going to read the outro correctly this time. Um, Last week, I was rusty. So uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Twitter's at Tabletop Game, TLK, Kitty's Lawful Good Mom, Fletcher's Net Fletch. Josh is not here right now. But if he were, he'd be Josh's blonde. And you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can check us out on Patreon, tabletopgamedog.com slash Patreon. And Kitty's going to read everything else.
1: Uh, Interrupted me (laughs) and gave me more work. tabletop game talk is a proud member of the dice tower network thanks for listening and remember we love your feedback so emails with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com finally a huge thank you to our patrons adam harrison the gift of games jason strong terence milner steven seitz brian arnold sean p kelly c marie rudy Lou, benjamin heimowitz jerry huang Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric Sealander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Glenn Cotter, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letkoe. John Lewis, Joe Raxton, Ron Nelson, Zahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keefe, Nicholas Lotz, Agnes Toth, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Matthew Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Dave Rank, Sam Lassett-Brown, Christopher Comstock, and Ben Gary.
2: Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So when can we actually get together in person and play one of these all day long games?
0: I don't think this is happening for a while.
2: Right. Um
1: you're the one about to have a baby.
2: <laughs>
1: Ish. I guess Sydney's doing all the work.
2: <laughs> Fine. Next July. Boom. I'm adding it to the calendar. <laughs>